in all of our lives. If we had the time to stand and tell what God has done for us, what a tremendous uh, miracle God has placed in our lives by letting us feel His love. If you will stand with me and uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, the 19th chapter, I'm going to be speaking tonight for just a little while on the subject the Zoar Syndrome. The Zoar Syndrome. And uh, we're going to start in Genesis, the 19th chapter, and we're going to um, start at verse 15. And it says, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth, and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, not behind thee, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Everybody say, all the plain. Escape to the mountain. Everybody say, escape to the mountain. Lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything until thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Would you pray with me right now and let's ask God to anoint And uh, bless. Heavenly Father, we look to You. We're asking You, Lord, to move mightily upon the remainder of this service. I'm asking You, Jesus, to let Your grace and mercy flow through me. Lord, I'm asking You to let Your unction settle down upon me. God, strengthen me right now. Lord, I'm asking You to empower me with life-changing words. God, craft the words and let them become divine utterances, Lord, that will shape and change lives, not for just a moment, not just to stir, God, but to change forever. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I will never be the same. Now turn to the other person and say, It's about time.
Praise God. Why don't you just shake somebody's hand before you're seated and say, I'm glad you're in church. We read the text. The text concerned Lot. The setting was in the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. We find that the angels of the Lord came to the cities. The angels of the Lord went to Lot's house. I didn't read the whole description, but you know the story. How that the city rose up and even tried to attack the angelic messengers. But the angels of the Lord came and gave Lot a sure word and said, It's time to leave the city because destruction is coming. God is not happy with what's going on in the city. But we find in the text that, that Lot and his family had a great affection for the city, even though the city was a stench in the nostrils of God. And you know, sometimes it's that way. Sometimes people become very attached to situations and things that are not healthy or, or, or not uh, the cleanest of environments. Let me give you an example. One time, this is many, many, many years ago, so everyone in this room is safe. We were invited to a couple's home to eat. And and they were wonderful people, and I'm, I, I hope that somebody doesn't say, oh, Brother Hollis is, is critical, but... They, they invited us, and so we asked the pastor, can we go? This was over ten years ago. Can, can we go? Uh, somebody's invited us, and they've invited us more than once. And, and the pastor said, sure, go to their home and, and, and uh, eat. And so we went to this home to eat, and when we walked in the door, uh, the first thing I noticed is that uh, there were piles of clothes laying in the living room area. And, and I don't mean just... Here and there, I mean everywhere. I mean there were little bitty paths that you had to walk like this to get. And and, and then when we got to the living, got to the couch area, uh, they were rolling stuff off the couch so we could sit down. Just have a seat. And uh, so so we did. And and then uh, and then uh, they started preparing the meal and. They said, you'll need to come into the kitchen and get your plate. And so we walked into the kitchen and there were dishes piled about this high all the way around and then all over the kitchen table. I mean, just covered everywhere uh, like I've never seen before. And I was just, I tried not to look amazed, but there were bugs running and I was just, I was like, uh, and they were just standing there smiling, home sweet home. And to me, it was like a pigsty. To me, it was like a, I, I didn't want to be rude. We never said a word, but, you know, I lost my appetite. I lost my appetite. I wondered how long, because there were plates sitting with, with, I mean, with food dried and stuck to the plates. And I wondered how long my plate had set out. They had a cat on the counter washing plates. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
But I began to wonder, I thought, I wonder how safe it is to eat here. I, and all of a sudden I wasn't that hungry. And, and I, I, I tried to enjoy the fellowship, but, but there was a certain scent in the house. There was just something there, smelled kind of like dirty socks around that. And, 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 and it was, you know, I guess they didn't pick up on it, but I did. They didn't seem to notice, Brother Grant. They just knocked some books off of a chair and sat down and just wanted to visit about the beautiful things of God. And, and, and we, we stayed and we tried to be cordial, but I have to be honest, I breathed very deeply when I left the house and got out into the fresh air. I took a deep breath and said, Thank God we're on our way back to the church. And, and these people, we never said a word to them, but if they would have asked me back, I would have found a reason not to go. Because there was something about the way that they were living that, that, that I was not raised that way. I was not taught that way. I was taught to try to be clean and, and, and scrub behind your ears. And I remember my mother grabbing me and, and she didn't realize, I guess, how, how her fingernails were. But she would grab me by the ear and pull me up and look in my ear. And Did you get your ears clean? That's just the way mom was. And we had a way about doing things. And, and it just was so far removed. And, and you know, I want to say tonight, and I know this is simple, but God has a way of doing things. God has simple plans laid out. God has uh, ordained guidelines that we as the children of the family must follow and must abide by. They're just simple things. They're not anything in depth. Uh, but, but God has a way of laying things out and setting a boundary line so that we know where it's at. Clearly delineated where it should be. We know those things. And we're living in a world that is, is getting further and further and further away from what God has in design for His people. That's why I believe that the Lord is soon coming. That's why I believe that the Lord is soon coming. I don't believe that the Lord will allow us to stay in a pigsty much longer. I don't believe that the Lord will leave us in an unhealthy atmosphere like this to where we'll be utterly destroyed. I believe that's why the angels of God came down to Lot and his family and said it's time to get out of here. It's so perverse. It's so gross. It's such a dark city. It's time to go. But we find something shocking. We find that Lot and his family really didn't want to go. Hear me tonight. You know, I'm using a lot of old stories and cliches, but, but think about it for a moment. If you throw a frog into a boiling pot, what's he going to do? He'll jump out. But you, you take a frog and put it into a pot of cool water and slowly turn up the heat, that frog will just sit there. And he'll cook. He won't jump out. Just little degree by degree. That's what's happening in our world. It's just getting darker and darker and dar And just when we think it couldn't get any worse, it gets worse. Can I be real plain? Just when we think, I can't remember who, we, who I was talking with this about, but, but just when we think that abortion couldn't get any uglier, we have a president that vetoes a ban 
that the people of America have stood up and cried long enough and hard enough to have the Congress and the House say, okay, it's time we do something about it. And I, I, I don't want to be gross here. But let me explain just for a moment. And some of you may say, well, Brother Hollis, you're, you're just using poor judgment here by telling this. But I, I tell you, it's time somebody wake you up. He, ban- he vetoed the ban. And I'm not here for political reference tonight. I'm just trying to talk about the condition of our world. He vetoed the ban that the House sent to him. He vetoed it. It was on a partial birth abortion. What it is, is they take and they deliver a child all the way, full term, deliver it all the way out until its head, is the only thing that's not delivered is the head. They take a pair of sharp scissors or a sharp instrument, jab it in the back of the baby's neck, stick a tube up through that hole, they, they, they pull the scissors open, spread the hole, then they stick a tube up in there and, and insert it into the brain area, the brain cavity, and suck the brain matter out until the head collapses. I'm going to tell you something. Nazi Germany didn't have anything any uglier than that. They had a lady on Dobson not too long ago, and she was a nurse, and they sent her to one of these abortion clinics for, for part of her uh, practicum. And while she was there, they, they, kept, they kept asking, would anybody go in and do a partial birth abortion with this doctor? And all the nurses kept scrambling and saying no. And she thought, well, she didn't know what it was. She said, I'll go. And she said she went in and saw that doctor bring that child all the way out except for leaving the head in the birth canal. She said, there, there that baby was and how beautiful it was. And said the little baby's arms were reaching out already like this and trying to get a hold of something. And when that doctor jabbed it in the back of the neck, its hands went out like that and stiffened. That's the kind of world that we live in. Don't kid yourself. Somebody needs to tell you what it's all about. That's the kind of world that we live in. We ought not be too comfortable in this hour. If we ever needed to be spiritual people, now was the time. If we ever needed to be people of prayer, now is the time. If there was ever an hour that we needed to lift our voices and cry, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Now is the hour. We don't need to be falling in love with this world. It's entertainment schedule. It's children. We don't need to be falling in love with the world. But we need to ask the Lord to rescue us with a holy anointing and empower us from on high. Put a holy boldness on us. Put an unction on us. Tell the world it's wrong. Tell the world it's wrong. And I believe that God is calling His people to be all the way people. You want to hear that again? I believe He's calling His people to be all the way people. If we ever needed to be dedicated, now is the hour to be dedicated. If we ever needed to fall in love with the holy pages of the book, now is the hour. If we ever needed to love that sweet hour of prayer, now is the hour. We cannot do it being halfway people. We cannot do it. Uh, the story is told about the Jewish people and how that they had a, a custom and it was part of the, their law, I guess, how that if, if, 
if a visitor came to their house and stayed, then one of the siblings, one of the children, when it came time for the person to leave the house and go on their way, the child was to take the visitor's bags and the child was to take the bag and carry it for the visitor exactly one mile from the house. Well, the, 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 the story goes that they were to carry it just one mile uh, or approximately a mile, but those children of those households that were under the bondage of the law, of course the way the children thought it was the bondage, that's the way they looked at it, they would go and they would mark off exactly that mile and they would drive a stake in the ground because they weren't going to carry the bags one more footstep than the mile. So when a visitor came, they did what God asked them to do. They picked up the bag and with a heavy heart, and it wasn't in their heart, but with just with no desire at all, they'd walk with that visitor. And when they got to the edge of the, when they got to the mile marker, when they got there, they'd just say, okay, this is it. This is as far as I go. If we ever needed a people, if we ever needed hearts, if we ever needed spirits in this hour of people that would say, let me carry it another mile. Let me go. Listen, God says, let's go this far. Why don't we move the stake on out another mile down the road? Why don't we tell the Lord we're ready to rise up? Our world is lost and dying and going to a devil's hell. Somebody needs to move the marker on out. Somebody needs to get the attitude. I'm going to do more than's required of me. I'm going to do more than required of me. I'm not just going to go part way. If God wants me to spin myself, I'll spin myself. You know, it's amazing what God will do to get someone's attention. One of our missionaries was called to Kenya, Africa. I'll never forget when he came to Bible school and testified about it. He said he was praying one morning. He said while he was praying, he said the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go to Kenya, Africa. He said, oh no, God. I like it right where I'm at. That was Lot's problem. I like it right where I'm at. I don't want to go. He said, God said, I want you to go. And he said, God, if you really want me to go, then let there be something in my mailbox this morning about Kenya, Africa. And as he said, he said, after he prayed that, he began to walk the floor. See, you know, it's amazing. We're only going to move out of our comfort zones if something supernatural strikes us. Isn't that the way it is? Turn to somebody and say, I didn't know he brought a hammer to church. It's still the sword. It just feels like a hammer. He said, Lord, let there be something in my mailbox about Kenya. If you want me to go as a missionary to Kenya. He said he started walking the floor and praying. And he was watching out the window for the mailman. He said finally the mailman pulled up and dropped the lid and stuck something in. Pushed the lid back up and drove away. He said he made his way out to the mailbox. Got out there. Turned and opened the lid. Reached in and grabbed a brown manila envelope package. He said he started walking back toward the house. And he opened the manila envelope package and he pulled out a magazine. He said when he pulled out the magazine, he opened it up and on the, on the front page of the magazine, in real big letters, it said, Revival in Kenya, Africa. He said he grabbed the manila envelope and looked at the address, and it was the right address, but it was the wrong street. It was supposed to be delivered three streets over. 
I'm telling you, God knows what He's doing. So the missionary says, okay, God, if you really want me to go. That's, that's, that's the spirit of the age. Please hear me. That's the spirit of the age. You know, while, while there are men of God running around, singing, coming down, 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 there are those singing, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. There's truth in that. There really is. I know, because that's probably the main wrestling match I have when I come to preach a revival. It's trying to get those unmovables to move. You know, those that belong to the church of the first refrigerator. <laughs> get near them and you just feel it. <laughs> They're not lukewarm anymore. They're just flat out cold. Isn't that ugly? I'm sorry. God's frozen people. I like that. The frozen few. God just needs a few thawed men. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, God, if you really want me to go, he said, I... I've told this here, haven't I? I can tell by the look at him. Oh, it's a rerun. <laughs> he said, said, God, if you really want me to go, he said, I, I can't drive on deputation in an old beat-up clunker. I need a brand-new car. If you really want me to go as a missionary, I need a brand-new car to go on deputation with. He said, a couple of days went by. He heard a knock on his door. Somebody came up and he went to the door and opened it up and it was the preacher from across town pastoring the other church. The preacher said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but here are the keys to my brand new car. See, when God wants you to go, when God calls you, God really means for you to go. When God begins to deal with your heart, He really means for you to lay it all down and give it all up and and be all you can be in Him. I I, I wish that we would just have the the, uh, willingness in us to go and not have to be poked and prodded by God and and, and tested three or four, five, six, seven, eight times. Tell God, okay, God, if you really want me to. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm climbing your tree right now. God's been dealing with you about your prayer life. God's been dealing. And you say, okay, if you really want, then then let the preacher uh, call my name. No, let him spell my name. Let him read my driver's license number in church. If you really want me to fast on Fridays, let him speak in tongues for three minutes and then quote my driver's license number. But see, God calls and God woos and God wants you to rise up. And I wish I could help you. I I wish that I could just run out and, and, and put my hands on you and make you as spiritual as you needed to be. But some things you have to do on your own. The preacher tells the story of how he uh, uh, had a a butterfly uh, trying to come out of a cocoon. uh, And he said he watched for uh, the longest time. And he said that butterfly was gnawing and and trying to work its way through. And he got impatient. So he finally finally went over there to that cocoon. And he uh, got out a little pocket knife or something and cut the top and pulled it open where that butterfly could crawl out. And he said that butterfly crawled out and then onto the limb. 
And he said he watched that butterfly for the longest time uh, sit there and, and, and struggle. And it never got its wings opened up. And they never came open. And it didn't have the strength to do it. And then he began to realize that, that the strength to open its wings and, and the ability to open its wings came in the struggle to get out of the cocoon. It only came when that butterfly said, I've had enough of being here. I've had enough of being in this location. It's time for me to work my way out of this situation. It's time for me to get on out. I'd like to cut the top open tonight for some of you and get you out of your situation but you're going to have to do it yourself otherwise you'll never soar you'll never soar if you don't get your own way out he said the wings never came open he said because he helped that butterfly that butterfly was doomed to crawl around the rest of its days never to know lofty flight you see lot when God spoke to him through the angelic messengers, God said, I want you to run to the mountain. I want you to go all the way to the mountain. Don't look back. Run all the way. Just go to the mountain. And Lot starts saying, oh no, I like it here, but if i got to go, don't make me go that far. God says, I'm going to destroy all the cities in the plains. And Lot starts saying, Oh, what about Zoar? Don't make me go all the way to the mountain, please. You see, in our, in our frail visual efforts, we try to see why God would make us go that far. We try to understand why that God would call us to... Uh, Places beyond our comfort zone. We don't understand that. And so we began to bargain with God. I'm telling you that God would like to put some ministries on some lives. I'm telling you that God would like to pull a few people up and strengthen them like they've never been strengthened. And yet we sit and bargain with God and say, God, but I really don't have time. And can I just go half that distance? Don't make me go all the way to the mountain, God. Let me just go halfway through the plain. Let me stop in that midway point don't make me go all the way to the mountain god please god let me stop halfway because we're comfortable with where we're at and in god's eyes we're in a filthy place god i believe in his spirit he grieves for us because of uh, uh, the filthy environment that we live in and he probably grieves that we've become accustomed to it and we don't see the filth like he sees it. I believe that with everything in me. When I look around, I look around at this community. You have a beautiful community. You've got nice new homes going up over here. You've got a great shopping center not too far from here. My wife loves coming here because she doesn't drive that far to go to the mall. Beautiful area. It's wonderful, nice, clean, work ethic strong here. But there is something going on in this very city. There's a spirit of homosexuality in the city. Don't tell me there's not. There is. This city's full of it. You understand what I'm telling you. And that's the same spirit that had a hold of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, it's ugly. I don't like it. Come on out of that. Come on, rise up a little further. Run to the mountain. I'm telling you. You hear me tonight. 
He had the Zohar syndrome. He said, no, just let me go to Zohar. So they went to Zohar. And God said, I'll spare the city of Zohar. You go ahead and go there. I've asked you to go all the way. You go ahead and go there. You see, when you give in, God's not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. You hear what I'm telling you? God's not going to make you do anything you don't want. I can stand up here and be as bold as I can be tonight. I can swing my hand and preach as hard as I know how to preach and tell you that you've got to go all the way. And after I'm finished preaching, you'll get in your car and start driving home and start bargaining with God. And God's going to back off and let you do just what you want to do. Turn to somebody and say, it sure is quiet in here. Is this all right? Is it okay? You know I love you. You know I love you. I wouldn't tell you this if it wasn't necessary. But you need to hear it. There's something wrong with going halfway. There's, some, there's something wrong with, with, with driving the marker right by the letter of the law and say, I'm just going to live what's expected of me. I'm not going to have my heart's not going to be in it. I'm not going to be doing it with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm just going to go, you know, I'm, going to, I'm just going to go as far as i got to go. And when I get God to quit tugging on me, when I get God to leave me alone, when I get God to shut up, bargaining with God. Come on, God. This, this is so important to me. Come on, God. This means so much to me. Come on, God. I wish you could see beyond the frame and see how much the Lord wants to bless you. God wants to bless those that are willing to go all the way. God's wanting to pour out revival on those that are willing to go all the way. But somehow, some way, we've got to pay the price. Somehow, some way, we've got to be willing I'm praying that the Lord will anoint my voice tonight. God, let my words be like flaming arrows. Something wrong with wanting to go halfway. I've heard preachers preach about Lot. I've, I've, I've had them for many years. I've, 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 I've heard them. Over the years when they preached, they've got him running up the mountainside. I heard one preacher say, somewhere on a mountainside, there is a salt pillar. And everybody says it's Lot's wife. And everybody talks about how they were fleeing up into the mountain. No, they weren't. They stopped in the city of Zohar. They stopped in the plains. God told them to go to the mountain. I believe if they'd have gone all the way, their family would have been safe. But they stopped in Zohar. The Bible says, we read it, the Bible says they got to the city of Zohar and when they, were, and when they got stopped in Zohar and they went as far as they thought it was important for them to go. See, God will tell you how far to go, but then you make up your mind how important it is. There are people that come to the revivals and I have preached with everything in me. It's time to make your life right with God. It's time to lay your life down. It's time for you to live for Him. And then they go home and they decide whether that's important or not. We need help right now in this house. We need for God... To move in here and begin to break up the fallow ground. I want everybody under the sound of my voice to lift your hands right now. Listen to me very carefully. Say, God, if you're talking to me, 
I want you to dig deep. I want you to break up the fallow ground. I want you to show me the hidden reservations of my heart. I want you to uh, expose the darkness. And let me be a child of light. In Jesus' name. There in Zoar, there in that place, halfway between where God told them to go and destruction, they stopped. And it was in that place where they were milling around and not on the journey, but just taking their ease, that Lot's wife turned around and looked up at the destruction of God on the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, and she turned into a salt pillar. Brother Grant, I'm convinced in my own heart and mind that if Lot, when the Lord said, would you go to the mountains, if Lot would have said, yes, Lord, if you say something's about to happen, if you say this isn't the right place for me, then I'm going to get up and I'm going to go. I'm not only going to go by myself, but I'm going to take my wife and my two children with me, and we're going to run for the mountaintop. I believe that if Lot would have ran all the way to the mountaintop, his wife would have never turned around and looked upon the destruction. But in that place, that middle ground... In that place where they stopped halfway. In the city of Zoar. And the name Zoar means unused. Hear me tonight. If you're in that place. That halfway place. If you're suffering from the Zoar syndrome. Then you cannot be used in the kingdom of God. Oh you may have felt the touch of God on your life. Oh, you may have felt the glory of God from time to time tickling your soul. But in that halfway place, I don't want to be a halfway person. I feel like I'm fighting every spirit of Madison right now. You know, it gets so quiet when you hit too close to home. It gets so quiet when, 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 when you start messing with the nest and you start uh, tugging on that comfort zone and you start trying to expand it a little bit and you start saying, it's time to move on. It's time to... Come on. I read a, uh, I read a uh, story, a little pamphlet Years ago, I bought many copies and shared them with my saints when I was pastoring. It was a little pamphlet that was called Mr. Peglow. I don't know if anybody here ever read that story. It would have been a number of years ago if you had. But it was a story about a young man and how God had given him a vision. How one day he was going with the Lord and, and the Lord was walking ahead of him. And how that when he made his mind up to follow Jesus, how that when he first got up and started moving, he, his his legs were so vibrant and his lungs were so full of air and he just was moving right along. And, but, but he had packed several things to take with him on the journey. Things that he thought were so important to take with him. And he said it wasn't long until 
the ground, the elevation began to turn and they began to climb. And he said, he, as he was following Jesus, he, he noticed that his legs began to feel cramped and fatigued and, and it became harder to breathe. And he said, the Lord was just climbing up that hill, just moving out ahead of him. And he said, he tried to stay with him, but it wasn't long until Jesus was almost out of sight. And he said, he, said he was just gasping for air. His legs felt like lead. He, he cried, Jesus! And he said, the Lord stopped in his stride and turned around and looked at him. And he said, yes. He said, you've got to help me. I'm out of breath. My legs feel like lead. I can't make it. And the Lord looked at him and smiled and said, well, maybe, maybe it's just some of the things that you're carrying. And he said he began to look around at all the things that he had, that had tied to himself and all the things that were so important. And he began to look around at those things. And he, and he said as he examined those things, he he finally found something that, that, that he said, well, maybe this isn't that important. Maybe, maybe I don't need this. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe if I let the... And he said the minute he told the Lord, he said, well, maybe I don't need to carry this with me. And the Lord said, that's a good decision. And he said he took it off and he said the minute he laid it down, he said it was like, like uh, energy in his legs and his lungs opened up and he could breathe. And he said he got right back in behind the Lord. And there they went. And he said they were going up the hill just effortlessly. And he said... He said, then it got a little steeper and they were climbing a little higher. He said, as they got a little higher, he said his legs became heavy again and, and it became hard to breathe. And, and uh, he, he cried out again and said, Lord, stop, I can't make it. The Lord turned around and said, well, he said, just you're carrying an awful lot. He said, maybe if you just let some things go. He said, well, what? What, Lord? He, he started examining, and the Lord said, You look it over. He said, Finally, something that, that, that the last time they stopped, it seemed so important all of a sudden, it didn't seem that important anymore, Brother Grant. And he said, Maybe, maybe this isn't that important. He said, Well, he said, That's a good decision. Why don't you let it go? He said, He took it off and laid it by the side. He said, All of a sudden, he said, Life was just jolting through him, and he could get up and move again, and he started running behind the Lord. You know the story. I don't even have to finish it. Time after time, on his way, he had to stop. And every time, he had to look around. He said finally it got to the place to where he had laid everything down. And he and the Lord ran the rest of the way up the mountain. I wish I was gifted with great eloquence oratory skills but that's not what's needed right now what's needed is a heart that says okay God it's time for me to take inventory I'm to be in this world but not of this world I'm too comfortable it's time that I beat my breast say God help me it's time that I find that place of prayer again it's time that I go all the way. God, don't let me stop in Zoar. God, don't let me stop in Zoar. I want to go all the way. I want to go to the mountains. I want to be used. I want everybody under the sound of my voice right now to close your eyes and lift your hands.
A farmer would be foolish if he never plowed the ground. He just threw the seed on hard ground, never plowed. I've come tonight and I've asked you to plow a little while. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight. That will say in your heart and your mind. I want to go all the way. I want to find that place. I want to, I want to be on the mountaintop with Him. I don't want to stop in Zoar. I want to be anointed. I want to be appointed. I'm asking you tonight. If you're guilty of slowing down in Zoar, I'm going to ask you to take inventory tonight. And I'm going to ask you to come. If you're still in Sodom, I want you to know that I stand as a messenger of God and tell you it's time to leave Sodom and find the family of God. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, there are two things you need to take care of in your life. You must be born again. Is there someone here tonight that will stand and say, I'll go all the way. I'll go all the way. I'm going to open up this altar area right now. And I'm going to give you a chance to come. I'm going to go all the way. Because I don't want to leave any of my family behind in Zoar. I'm going to go all the way. Because I don't want my children to grow cold. I'm going to go all the way. Because I want God's will for my life and not just mine. I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to go all the way. This is beautiful. Is there anyone here that needs the Holy Ghost? You can go all the way tonight. Why don't you come and dig a little while? Why don't you come and ask the Lord? Say, Lord, it's time that I find out where I stand with you. Listen to the preacher. I've been guessing for a while. I guess at where I'm at in you. I tell myself I'm okay. I tell myself I'm going far enough. Let tonight be the night that you ask the question. Have I gone far enough? Where do you want me, Lord? Have I gone far enough? Where do you want me? Should I go a little further? God, clean my house. God, if where I live is not becoming 
if where I'm living is not pleasing. If when you come to my house, God, you grieved, would you clean my house? God, if everything's not right in my home, would you tell me to clean it? I will give you all if all is what you ask of me I will not withhold That's it, come on Examine the heart Tell the Lord Tonight's the night I'm going to give you all, God I'm going to give you all And be willing 